0: So, hello Mets fans, happy new year. Uh, we've got a little bit of a change up to throw at you to start the year, which ties in nicely with the Nelson Figueroa interview that will come later in the podcast, but uh, Brian has his hands full a bit, uh, so Aaron and I are here to do the usual
1: you know, weekly
0: Mets chats, uh, so Aaron how's it going? Good.
1: I'm I'm ready to roll on this. Even and we're gonna we're gonna. There's not obviously still a lot of news. There's still, we're still in the lull of the hot stove season. Everyone's in a holiday hangover, but we are gonna scrap together the little bits of news we have, and we're gonna and we have some emails to read. So it's gonna be fun. Let's let's get to it. Can't wait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's start with the one piece of solid baseball news that we had uh you know as we are recording today Drew Storen signed a one year deal with the Reds which sort of makes sense for him one year 6 million dollars that's you know that's pretty good uh coming off of a pretty bad season for him he's a guy who had a track record of success uh you know he had to settle for something that he certainly wouldn't have if he had had a better year uh In 2016, if he finished 2015 uh, without, you know, angrily breaking his hand uh, after the Mets beat him, something that I just can't help but (laughs) reference. But, uh, you know, I I like him as a pitcher and I I think he's a guy who could bounce back. Cincinnati is a tough place to do it, but say he, you know, has a good first half, that's an easy guy for them to trade to a contending team. Uh, So that's one more you know, that's not really much of a commitment. That's one more of that style of relief pitcher off the market. So there's still a lot out there. I'm curious, is there anybody you would like to see, to see the Mets sign, uh, you know, specifically among the remaining free agents?
1: Yeah, I've had my eye on, and we're going to have, spoiler, we're going to have an email on this guy later, but Brad Brock, he's not a free agent, but as a trade candidate, the Mets could look at him. He's put up closer type numbers past past year or year and a half, and he's someone that is. And uh, you know, the Orioles not wanting to re-sign Mark Trumbo, that's someone you'd like to see the Mets go after. But as far as guys that are still free agents, um uh let me th- how about Fernando Salas who obviously pitched for them last year could re-sign and he wasn't terrible although obviously you'd like to see a guy with a little more stuff although he's posted some pretty sexy strikeout rates uh was pretty steady down the stretch for the Mets so it's always good to have someone that you're familiar with already, even in a limited time. So, so that's someone who I wouldn't mind seeing come to come back and wouldn't cost too much. And for other guys, David Hernandez also uh, could be a bounce back guy. Uh, he, was, he, he struggled last year. Uh, looked like he was going to lock down that closer role for the Phillies, but didn't work out for him. But with the Diamondbacks, he had some pretty impressive seasons, was a really good setup guy. So he's kind of like Storn in that regard, right-hander. He struggled last year, but could bounce back. So those those are two names out there that I've kind of had my eye on.
0: So yeah, Hernandez is a guy who isn't as old as you might think he is. For some reason, I felt like he had been around. And he's been in the majors for a while. But I believe he's still thirty, which is younger than I would have guessed. Uh, so this says he's thirty-two. Thirty-two. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah, it's manageable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Still two years off on, on my memory, but uh, you know, young enough that you're not just hoping for something, you know, random and crazy to happen. So yeah, he he makes sense, and then uh, you know, this is this is good word. Tying everything together theme wise, because there will be uh, plenty more on Salas later in the show. So that's those are two two names. Uh, good choice on Salas. I'll I'll, uh, I'll pick out Sergio Ramos. Still kind of the guy who's left for me, and there's a few other guys who have had you know a, a high level of success. And I don't know if Romo has to settle. For something like what Storen got, but man, if he does, that's a guy who you know he had some concerns health wise with his arm uh, last season. That's why the innings pitch total was down. You know he had some strange things happen along the way, but man, if he has to come down to downright affordable, um, that that would be my guy, uh, so to speak. So you know, I'd really like them to sign two. So if it was one of yours and and Romo or, you know, somebody else who's still out there, uh, I think that would be good.
1: Yeah. That uh, yeah, and there are still plenty of names. There are even more reclamation projects. There's there's Jabba Chamberlain, there's Aaron Barrett, who I didn't realize was twenty nine years old. He was pretty promising for the Nationals not too long ago. Uh, Joe Blanton, there's guys with starter experience like Joe Blanton and Scott Feldman, Uh, guys who didn't strike out a lot of guys as starters or relievers, but who know how to throw the ball over the plate and could give you some innings, maybe even slot into the rotation if injuries happen, just versatile guys like that who are the unsung heroes of an injury-plagued season now and then.
0: Yeah, Blanton to me is a guy who's been like too good to have to fall to that level. I imagine he'll at least get something along the lines of uh, what Mike Dunn got, and that's you know obviously they they don't throw with the same hand, uh, but you know the success has been there in the last two seasons. So I, you know, if he's a guy who falls into the Mets price range, and as much as I wish wish we weren't really you know still having to use that phrase as often as we do um if he falls to somewhere that the mets are comfortable he's really appealing and you know 2 3 years ago i would have thought it would be insane to think that but but yeah there there are options and you know we we know that and this sort of leads into uh, just another tidbit that we learned earlier this week. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reported that the Phillies would be interested in bringing in a veteran outfielder. You know, uh, Jose Bautista as a free agent might be the guy. Uh, There were a couple other names that were mentioned, but Rosenthal did mention that they would be interested in someone like Mets outfielder Jay Bruce uh, if they didn't have to give up any significant prospect in return. So And We'll get into it a little bit more uh, with the reliever you mentioned in in Baltimore with one of the emails, but it's a new year. I think the top item on everybody's 2017 wish list is that the Mets get rid of Bruce. Uh, Do you think they do it before spring training starts?
1: Yeah, I think they will find a taker because – I think they will pay some of the salary if they really have to, because there's, like you said, there's not really a spot for him on this team, where you wouldn't rather see Michael Conforto or Cespedes or one of or Granderson, Juan Lagares. Obviously, the Mets have plenty of outfielders. Jay Bruce, we've talked about his defensive deficiencies. We've talked about how. He doesn't walk enough to make up for his lots and lots of strikeouts, so the the, yeah, the Mets need to unload him, and the Phillies are a good candidate. It might not be a significant prospect, but hey, maybe they get someone a quadruple A guy who can they who maybe has the enough upside to slot into the bullpen, something like that. And if what the Phillies are thinking is they've got a small ballpark. They've got a guy who can randomly hit five home runs in a week in Jay Bruce. And that means that maybe he'll hit 20 home runs or so in the first half again. They can get him for more they can trade him away from at the July 31st for more value than they have to give up for him now when he's coming off a pretty miserable second half with the Mets. So it's a good strategy by the Phillies to want to acquire him because. It, it's uh, on his expiring deal. It's pretty obvious they would be looking to get some production in their small bar park and then trade him away again. So that could be that could be a match there for the Mets. Certainly, the the Phillies have plenty of payroll that they're not even they don't even want to spend yet. They're going to want to spend it when they have when their young prospects grow up and then they have all this money to spend. So they've got money to burn right now the Mets want to unload Bruce. So the only thing really holding something like that back that I think of right now is that they're in the same division, but with them on different, different ends of the competitiveness plane, uh, it it could work out if the Mets are able to look past that.
0: Right. So and I like it, the idea. The one, the one thing that I think of, and I, I try not to think this way too much about uh, soon to be former Mets or recently turned former Mets uh you know how many home runs does jay bruce hit against the mets if he's a yeah. philly <laughs> i
1: was going to say that i was going to say someone and it'll yes, it'll probably be point,
0: 10 or you know like that that that's where my mind goes with it
1: in one 3 game series he'll hit 10
0: yes <laughs> but uh but yeah here's hoping that doesn't happen you know if if dumping him to the phillies for a completely marginal return just means that conforto plays very regularly and that gives them the the money in their opening day budget to sign a reliever or two then fine you know that that leaves the mets as a a better team uh you know even if those things happened and he and he came back to bite them a little bit with a division rival you would hope that the rest of the team could, you know, kind of overcome that. So.
1: And I don't know if they'd be helping the Phillies too much. Cause the Phillies have some good outfielders too. They just signed Odubel Herrera to a, a long-term deal. Roman Quinn's probably going to be up. He looked pretty decent in, uh, in September in the, in the, in the little action I saw him in. And then you got Aaron Altair. So, so maybe, uh, maybe Jay Bruce, it gets in the way of one of those guys who would, would have performed better. I'm I'm just trying to look at the silver lining. But giving the Phillies Jay Bruce, it might not even be that much of an improvement unless he has that first half like he had with the Reds. In that case, he's bound to hit at least a couple home runs against the Mets uh, based on the schedule. But and and, and yeah, somewhere a fan's going to be upset where he's going to be like, oh, we trade away Jay Bruce. Now he's killing us. And But you can't think like that now. You got to think practical. The division shouldn't matter. If both teams, if it helps both teams, it should, the trade should be, be done. And, uh, hopefully the Mets front office sees that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we can, uh, let's transition into the emails. Now, as a general reminder, you can send us emails, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. Uh, generally speaking, we get to all of them unless they're, uh, totally outlandish so send send them our way uh and the first email this week uh comes from josh and josh says there's been a lot of buzz recently about the yankees building a super team by buying out the huge names on the free agent market in in the not so distant future i've heard they want to go for harvey harper machado and possibly kershaw who has an opt-out The past few years, we've seen the Mets emerge as the powerful team in New York. Uh, Can the Mets sustain success long enough to stay competitive with their crosstown rivals? So Josh is referring to the free agent class after the 2018 season, which is absurd, uh, assuming all those guys hit free agency. So uh, what do you think, Aaron? Uh, Are the Mets still the better team in New York and I, I think we it's probably silly to assume that the Yankees would sign all of those four players. Um,
1: yeah, the Phillies – I mean the Phillies. The Yankees have been wary of the luxury tax recently. So they're yeah. they're cutting back a little more than – at least per spice percentage basis. They're not outspending everyone like they did in the heyday.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it's – um. you know, you look at teams and their commitments and – there should be a lot of teams. One, I think, one of my favorite things that was written about it. I think it was Brisby, um, early in 2016, wrote about you know the amount of free payroll that all teams have when Bryce Harper hits free agency. So, you know, realistically, I don't expect the Yankees to do that, um, or just to be able to do that despite having money, because they won't be the only team with money and an appetite. Uh, at the same time for those players. But in the hypothetical, you know, the Yankees steal Harvey away from the Mets and bring in the, you know, two of the best young position players in the game and Kershaw. I mean, man, that's, you know, they don't play head to head in the sense of, uh, you know, making the playoffs. Obviously their regular season games have an effect on that, but that would be a tough team to top unless the rest of the roster was just terrible.
1: Well, the Mets, Mets fans should root for the Yankees aside sign these, and sign these players. Cause we look at the trajectory that the Phillies are on. We know the young talent that they have, they're eventually going to spend money. So they could be in the market for Bryce Harper or another superstar, like Clayton Kershaw. If, if he ever hits free agency, I think obviously Kershaw is probably a longer shot at free agency just because, uh, of the Dodgers' deep pockets, but uh, you never know. the The, the point is, and the, and Washington obviously could re-sign Harper, so Mets fans should be happy about the Yankees uh, spe- spending a lot of money if it gets these guys away far further away from the Mets. But can the Mets stay relevant for long? It depends on their pitchers staying healthy. They have to. They obviously are probably not going to be able to afford to sign all of them the long-term contracts, so they have to make smart decisions there, spend the right money on the right pitchers, and then you hope a guy like Ahmed Rosario blossoms into a affordable young cornerstone that you can build around, and Michael Conforto bounces back from what was Uh, You know, uh, three quarters of last year, that wasn't very good, although he started to turn it on at the end again. So there's a possibility that, okay, look, if the Yankees sign like Harper and Kershaw, there's almost no chance the Mets will be better. And the Yankees have some good young players too. So that'll help round out their roster in the future. Assuming that a a couple of those guys turn into uh, major league regulars but the, the Mets, if they bet on the right pitchers and they see the development of Rosario and Conforto, they would still have a chance to be as good as the Yankees if they, maybe they only sign one of those guys. But I guess if I had to bet on one, I'd bet on the Yankees just because they have some good young players and they have uh, higher payroll possibilities. But I still like the Mets' chances because they still do have some young assets. They just have to bet on the right ones and hope this stud shorts up that they have develops.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of what happens in you know those seasons, 2019-20, uh, really does hinge upon Rosario. You know, does Dom Smith turn into an above-average Major League hitter?
1: Right, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. At, at first
0: Smith. base. But, you know, th- those kinds of things where – just around the diamond a few years down the road you you know even just two years you know is Lucas Duda still the first baseman you know how he's a free agent after this season coming up in 2017 but you know when do those transitions happen to the younger guys being full-time players and if they bust you know who what route do the Mets take to account for those positions so you know, in an ideal scenario, Rosario, to me, and I, I know I might be hoping high uh, a little bit on him, but, man, I, I hope the second half of this year he's around, and that's not a knock. A dribble Cabrera was one of the reasons the Mets got to the wild card game in 2015, but, you know, I'm just that excited about Rosario. Um so, yeah, a lot of it depends on because even though Harvey is the first one to hit free agency, there's a, a gap between when he does and the other pitchers do. You know, so how many of these young guys are the real deal? Uh, and I think Gazelman kind of falls into that too. You know, he looked really good in 2016. Uh, you know, is, is he a guy who can be good enough that, you know, if Harvey were to, Apart part in free agency which I think everyone has a, has a foregone con- conclusion but you never know you know Cespedes was not coming back to the Mets the first time uh, I think the second time some people gave him a little bit of a chance but <laughs> you know it, things that are seen as impossible sometimes change and you know the, the spirit of oh the Yankees are going to sign everyone and they, you know that goes back to like my favorite onion sports headline ever the Yankees you know, secure the uh, World Series title by signing every player in baseball, <laughs> uh, and that—that that, I think they wrote that back in like 2002 or three. But you know, it sort of calls back to that that era of the superstar player on another team is a future Yankee, and like you said, they haven't really operated that way, you know, since the. Mega deals they gave to Sabathia, to Shara, Arod. You know, they got one title during that time with uh, with those guys all involved. Uh, so that's that's not nothing. You know, that's a better return than a lot of teams get. You know, look at look at how long the Braves were good, and you know they had the same the same situation, the same total number of World Series in you know that that span of time as the Yankees had Uh, in a shorter one. So it's not like they got nothing out of it, but they got to see the really ugly end of, you know, $60, $80 million tied up in guys who are not completely healthy or not effective. So, you know, the way they decide to navigate and, like you said, maybe try to stay below the luxury tax at at times, Um, you know, whether or not they dole out major deals – Uh, It remains to be seen, but, but yeah, I mean, for marketing purposes and for the, if you know any annoying Yankee fans uh, in your life, that would not be a fun time, (laughs) but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of don't think they can pull it off. And even if they do, you know, like you said, let's hope the Mets pitchers are all healthy whichever ones remain on the roster so
1: yeah uh, oh i was gonna say the the bigger they are the harder they fall let the yankees sign these players and it will be more fun when they lose and and also it it would be good for baseball i think i think at least on a national level baseball was more popular when the Yankees were able to outspend anyone and form a super team because they were so polarizing Either You love them or you hate them. And it was fun watching them go up against the Red Sox before the Red Sox became unpopular because they won. No one liked them anymore. Their Red Sox were more popular when they were lovable losers who had these likable players like Manny Ramirez and Pedro Martinez and were still competitive. So they had like the good, like they're losers, but they're still really good and they, they're good enough to have a real shot. And the Yankees were this powerful behemoth that was just buying all your favorite players. And, and that's why you hate them. So it would be kind of cool to see a flashback to that era and it would probably drive ratings upwards. Although we, we, we do have a, what could be a juggernaut Cubs team to do that? And although if they were joined on the other side by a Yankees team that signed a bunch of players, that would also make things interesting. I know a lot of people think that parity is good for baseball, and that might be true in smaller markets. But from just from a purely national standpoint, it's better to have. It's like that's why the NBA has taken over baseball spot as the number two sport on a national level is because they have these these quote-unquote super teams with the best players. And one of the reasons baseball's fallen off from a national popularity standpoint is because you have some good players like Mike Trout on some not-so-good teams. And we, you know, Mike Trout's really fun, and he's great, and he's so much fun to watch. But when he's on a team that's struggling to make the postseason and – is surrounded by either players who are too young or too old and are not in their prime, then uh, the sport's not going to be as good. So that's just something to think about. Uh, we'll move on to the next topic after that, I guess, but it would be interesting for the Yankees to turn into this major bad guy again, that everyone likes to root against.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see if the Cubs end up getting there kind of in a similar way to the Red Sox where
1: oh get ready to hate the Cubs everyone's everyone's oh, about to hate the Cubs. Oh I've,
0: I've I've I'm
1: a lot of Mets fans are member of Cubs, that so, yes
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I it, it, I think that's an interesting uh angle to look at with any any team like that but uh but yeah that so we'll get to our our second email now uh it comes from David who says what up guys hope you have a great year keep up the good work thank you for that David uh here are three things i know he says so let's take them one by one uh and this calls back to what we were talking about earlier he says brad brock is the best reliever available and bruce is a fit in baltimore so why not get this done if it means picking up money on bruce or adding a mid-level prospect do it uh aaron is that is that realistic
1: It would be realistic, except the reports from back in the winter meetings were that the Orioles were more interested in Curtis Granderson, which makes sense because he's been a better player than Jay Bruce for the past two years. So it would make sense if the Orioles really wanted Jay Bruce, but they probably want someone who can play a little more outfield and a little less DH. and. You know, Granderson at least was viable uh, in center field, and certainly could still play the corner at a uh, decent level. So, I don't think they are too interested in Jay Bruce, or maybe the deal would have been done already. But yeah, Brad Brock's really good. He's a Freehold, New Jersey native, which is awesome for. Uh, we know we have a, obviously, including me, have a lot of New Jersey-based fans. So, uh, he's he also put a had put up closer-type numbers last year an ERA round two and a whip round one. So he's certainly a guy the Mets should target, but they probably don't want to give up Granderson. There were reports on both sides of that situation during the winter meetings where it said the Mets don't want to trade Granderson. Other teams think Granderson is off limits and yada, yada, yada. But if the Orioles, it seemed like if the Orioles wanted Granderson, the Mets were not willing to do it for a relief pitcher albeit a really good one so and I don't think it'd be a good idea to do that because Curtis Granderson is still a really valuable piece for them if he can get his BABIP up a little bit he's going to be even more valuable because he has been walking a lot he has hit it's 30 home runs the past two years now so that's something that especially in today's day and age, Uh, although home runs went up last year, but it's, but the Mets still need home runs. The
0: Mets thrive on the home run. He's a big part of
1: that. He's a big part of that. He walks, he's not your traditional top of the order guy, but he does walk a lot. So he's been good in that role. He's obviously a great clubhouse guy, although we don't like to get into that as much because you, you can't measure that, but the, the guys do like him. He does have that leadership aspect there are a lot of things going into curtis granderson that you'd like to bring back i don't i wouldn't personally trade him for a good relief pitcher like brad brock um and i think that's why that deal didn't happen i think the mets wanted to give up bruce and the orioles said we want granderson and the mets weren't going to give up granderson
0: yeah yeah uh number two of the things david knows uh if the Mets are healthy, no one beats our one, two, three starters. No one, not even Boston. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a shot at this too, Aaron. Uh, but I'll start by saying that's not a ridiculous thing to say. You know, if Syndergaard, DeGrom, and whether it's Harvey or Mats, uh, Wheeler or Gazelleman, whoever among those guys you slot in as your three, you know, a completely healthy version of everybody, I would say that's Harvey. But Whoever your choice is among those guys, uh, you know, if they're all healthy, they all make thirty-two starts, throw two hundred innings. Uh, yeah, th- that that should be right up there with anyone, including Sale, Price, and uh, Porcello. Depending on how much you you know think he's his twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen self. <laughs> um, but but yeah, assuming that health might be you know, a a bit of a reach just because the innings haven't been logged consistently by those guys yet. But am I forgetting another rotation aside from Boston that you would say, you know, stacks up against what the Mets have at the top? The Cubs maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Cubs had a couple of guys last year who had pretty – good ERAs relative to their stuff. So I would still put the Mets above the Cubs and the Cubs obviously have more than enough firepower in their lineup to make up for that. If we're just comparing the teams, I I think you have to put Boston ahead of the Mets just because of the track record of sale and, and price. And, you know, obviously Porcello was, was great last year, but just, just because of those top two guys, I'm not saying Porcello is going to, Repeat that, but just because of that track record, and and you have to factor in the fact that that, that Harvey got uh, another pretty major injury, so that has to factor in the way you look at it. But and and Mats hasn't pitched a, a full season yet, so that's that stuff that works against the Mets. But always oh, said if they're healthy, so I guess that the caveat that if they're healthy, yeah, the Mets the Mets do stack up pretty pretty evenly. But if you're if you're talking about without that caveat, well, yeah, health health's an issue, and that makes the Mets uh, not as good as Boston, in my opinion, just because Sale and Price are just two horses that have have done it year in and year out for the past few years, and the Mets don't have that kind of consistent yet consistency yet. Although you hope Syndergaard and Degrom can can turn in a few of those seasons, uh, and and hopefully the Mets would. Resign sign them to long-term deals before that because if those guys pitch 30 starts healthy for the next three years, they're going to be really expensive on the free agent market. Um, but yeah, given the caveat, the health caveat, I would say, yeah, the Mets, the Mets have the best rotation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so number three, and I was debating whether or not to read this verbatim, but I will. It's not a terrible word in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and it's a reference... If you don't follow Noah Syndergaard on social media, and I think he commented, it wasn't it wasn't his own post. It was a post uh, put up elsewhere of Bryce Harper, and Syndergaard commented on it, uh, just one word: douche. And <laughs> number three from David that he knows is that Bryce Harper is a douche. So that I think is a clear reference to Syndergaard's comment. Uh, Syndergaard joked about it, calling himself one, uh, when somebody posted a photo of him out on New Year's Eve, I think it was. So, you know, I I think Harper is an easy guy to hate as a Mets fan, uh, and and I get it, but man, would I love him if he were a Met.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's a great personality. He's great for baseball. The way he's outspoken against kind of the anti-fun uh, sort of veterans that are out there is good for baseball. He's a great he's a great heel. He's great to root against, uh, easy to hate, and easy to love if you're a fan of that team. It was disappointing for him. He got up to such a hot start last year and then just kind of fell off. But he's he still got a chance to be one of the great players ever with the the just easy power stroke. He has, he, he did show off some of his speed last year. So that was good. And, um, he's, he's great. He's great for baseball. (laughs) I said that already. Yeah. I like Bryce (laughs) Harper. Okay. I, I like Bryce Harper. I hope the Mets come out of nowhere and sign him when he's a free agent. I know that's, there's a less than 1% chance of that happening, but, um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because that's going to have a big impact on, on the game because, uh, obviously, it's it's harder in baseball than other sports for one player to have that type of impact, but he is he's that kind of talent at the plate. He has uh, made incredible power. He's very mature for a hitter. He obviously knows how to take a walk, and uh, and this it's fun that him and him and Syndergaard, who's uh, arguably the Mets Mets's best player. Well, he pretty much is the Mets best player. Go at it like that, because that's always that's always fun when you have your stars being outspoken and and Syndergaard is is the Mets is the Mets as Bryce Harper. He's a little outspoken. He he's brash. Other teams hate him. Mets fans love him. He's got the nickname thing. Fans like to dress up as Thor. Uh, So he's basically the Mets is Harper. He's a pitcher. Harper's a hitter. It's, it's cool that even if it's uh, just him saying, <laughs> him saying douche, it's cool that the, the two are, are interacting on some level and uh, you'll, and it's going to be more fun now to see them on the field. And, and that's more of what, what baseball needs. It's just these big, uh, big star players going at each other. Yeah.
0: So with that, I think we're, uh, We're just about good here. Uh, Again, you can email us, podcast at amazingavenyaudio.com. We hope you enjoyed the pinch-hitting appearance here by me being Brian and Aaron filling in for what I usually do. Uh, But everything should be back to normal next week. Uh, So thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned for the Nelson Figueroa interview joining us this week on amazing avenue audio is former mets pitcher and current sny analyst nelson figueroa nelson uh, thanks for coming on the show
2: thank you very much chris uh,
0: i guess let's start with the mets it's been a little bit of a quiet off season since the winter meetings. Uh, you know, obviously, all the big things happened before that, with Walker coming back on, the, you know, accepting the QO, uh, is signing the four year deal, and then we heard about a bunch of things that might happen at the winter meetings. But with what the team has done, if they don't do anything else for the rest of the off season, uh, you know, do you think they've done enough to compete for the division title in twenty seventeen?
2: Well, I definitely like the pieces of the puzzle that they have in place. Uh, You know, Neil Walker was tremendous last year until he got hurt. You know, he carried that team for quite some time um, in that second half until Cespedes and Cabrera came back off the DL. Um, So I really love the Neil Walker signing. I think, you know, as long as his back is okay, he's going to have a – Another good year in the middle of that lineup, potent lineup. Um, of course, having Cespedes for the next four years is the most exciting thing. Um, for Mets fans, uh, definitely is, is the, the big bat and the big superstar that this uh, city needs. Uh, it can handle that kind of pressure. We've seen that with him uh, throughout the two-year tenure thus far. From uh, If nothing else were to happen and you had the quality of major leaguer at every position that you have now, it is really not much you could complain about. Where you have Bruce Granderson and Cespedes in your outfield—that's three proven 30-home run, 100-RBI type guys in your outfield right now. And then when you start looking around the infield, the biggest word that I could stress is if—if if those three out of four infielders are coming back off back injuries. Are, are fully healed and they're able to put up decent numbers. Again, you have somebody like Lucas Duda who's hit 20 to 30 home runs. You've got Neil Walker who, you know, is a guy that was getting into the 20s with the Mets last year. Uh, Cabrera got himself right there on the cusp as well. I, I just think there's so many things and when the, your fallback is someone like Jose Reyes at third base, uh, you could have a lot bigger problems in, in the world of baseball than that. But if David Wright can give you anything um, of David Wright caliber baseball for 100 games, say, that would be a tremendous uplift to this team. Uh and I'm, I'm big on Travis Darnot having a bounce-back year. I think, you know, he's going to take a nice long look in the mirror here in this offseason and realize that, you know, he lost his job towards the end of the season. He lost his confidence. You know, hopefully he can come into spring training with a catching coach now in place, someone to really, you know, make sure he's on top of his game each and every, each and every game that he's out there. Um, I think that's going to be big for him and uh, the ability that he has on the offensive side. He needs to show that he can do that yet again. We saw it in spurts uh in previous years would love to see it for 140 games
0: yeah yeah you're preaching to the choir when it comes to Darno. uh i personally think I'm, i'm with you i think he's going to bounce back you know i i believed in what he showed he could do especially when he came back from injury in 2015 you know down the stretch and into the playoffs um so i'm i'm high on him uh, you mentioned 100 games for David Wright. Would you say that's about what your you know, reasonable expectation is if, if things go well with his health?
2: Yeah, I think if you can kind of – because you're going to have to really um, have Reyes in there. We saw the difference, the impact that he made with his speed at the top of that lineup. I I don't see any way you can keep Reyes as a backup player kind of the way they did with Flores that first half of the season. I can't see that happening, especially when you kind of ran Cabrera and Walker into the ground because you counted on those two major league guys up the middle, that defense that they had up the middle. You didn't want to mess with that too much. And so those guys, because they're switch hitters, there was no reason reason to take him out the lineup so they played so much we saw I think it was 85 uh, 85 out of 88 games for Cabrera in the first half I mean that's unheard of for a guy who's you know considered to be you know an aging shortstop you know to have the ability to give him some time off and again your fallback is Jose Reyes at shortstop it's a pretty good fallback to have right there so I think Reyes has to be in the mix where you can find a way to get Reyes you know almost in in one game in each series, at least, and and giving another guy a, a day off to keep these guys healthier throughout the run of the season.
0: Right, and I think where the team's positioned, you know, coming off the last two seasons, and certainly going into this one, uh, you, you're planning for more than 162 games. You know, ideally, as many as almost, uh, you know, 180. If you get mm-hmm. get as far into the uh, postseason as they did in 2015. So so yeah, I think that's something to uh to look forward to. Uh shifting gears just a little bit with, you know, the team going into the year. I think the one area that people, uh, Mets fans in particular are a little focused on right now is the bullpen. You know, we don't know exactly when Jerry Familia will make his season debut. Um, but you know, we know that he will be there at some point, certainly, uh, regardless of what the league decides to do. Uh Addison Reed has been excellent, but I think there's a little bit of concern, uh, among fans, you know, for the next step in the bullpen. And while there's these guys that have, you know, individually have exciting things about what they can do, uh, you know, they, there's a desire to have maybe one or two external, uh, players brought in. So do you think that's something they must do at this point? Uh, especially with Blevins and and the other lefties still out there on the market?
2: Well, I know for one thing, uh, as Mets fans know, they've gotten real familiar with uh, the way Sandy likes to kind of build his bullpen from within to start out. And then once you get around the trade deadline and there's Uh, opportunities to really strike gold, uh, which is what he has done the last uh, two years where you saw what he was able to do with Tyler Clippard and Addison Reed and also with Salas last year. Um, You know, He really almost got those players for nothing um, and was able to add those proven back of the bullpen type arms to the bullpen and help out Familia down the stretch. So for me, I, I have that faith that Sandy knows what he's doing when it comes to shaping the bullpen, but don't want to have to wear out those proven two guys like a Reed and a familiar in the first half to have to go out and get more help. So for me, I think they may go and I see him signing back a guy like Salas. I, I really liked what I saw from him. I saw his ability to pitch to both lefties and righties to pitch to both sides of the plate, not, really focusing on one out pitch you see that so much now that guys are you know specialized with that one out pitch and they got to go to it until the wheels fall off he was able to get outs with a multitude of pitches and really locate his fastball on both sides of the plate did a great job with that um if you look at internal guys that that uh, are still here I, I like josh smoker i think josh Moker has really good potential i think he you get locked into the things that you can't do when you first get to the big leagues. You hear it so much, you read it so much, especially nowadays with the with us, the media, we're able to put it in your face nonstop. And we talked about how he couldn't get lefties out. He can get lefties out. He just didn't get lefties out. And in a small sample size, it really the numbers jump out at you that lefties were batting over 400 against. him. and he was better against righties. The guy has 96. In the tank he has a really good slider and he has a split fingered fastball he just needs the opportunity to use him a little bit more effectively and really a catcher who has a little bit more familiarity with him to get him to use his pitches maybe in a different sequence and maximize his potential so i like smoker from the left side i really like robles robles to me is where Familia was two years ago where you were bringing him into the season as that eighth inning guy where he was you know he has a plus arm but what can he do you know you kept talking about the negatives we know he kind of goes into a funk and and you know he he doesn't uh attack the strike zone as much and then he kind of lays over that slider I think he's learned um through his ups and downs especially this season he needs to pitch with three pitches rather than two and really just be able to command the strike zone a little bit better with that plus fastball. We saw him get it up to 100 miles an hour. So he has closer-type stuff. That slider can be tightened up, and I expect it to be a, a lot tighter this year with uh, working with Dan and Ricky still. Um, but that changeup was a nice pitch for him to be able to get ahead with that change-up and really throw a hitter off so that he can use his other two weapons uh, in, in a, a much better uh, sequence to get more outs.
0: Yeah, Robles is a guy who, you know, it's it's kind of similar to, in different scales, what we've seen with Darneau. Uh When it's going good, it's really, really good, and then yeah. the bad outings are bad, but he had one of the performances that stood out to me all season when Bartolo got hit uh, by yeah. the line drive early, and, and Robles comes in, I, I was at that game, and... You know, just stood out that here's this scenario that's totally not ideal, and he comes in and throws multiple innings and just dominates, and that that was like the taste of what you hope
2: he can be. And that's oh okay, yeah, go no, ahead. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That 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 was actually the the where he had to use that changeup because he was going three times through the lineup to try and give the Mets some length that day, and he really saw that how effective it was by using his change-up a little bit more and pitching a little bit differently than a, a typical power pitcher out of the uh, bullpen. You know, when guys get the report on you and they see video on you or they face you and you go around the league one time, you can get away with it the first time. The second time they start knowing, hey, he tries to get ahead with his fastball, look for that fastball early, especially away, away, away. We saw that with the Mets pitchers a lot last year. That teams were sitting on fastballs away. That was something that Travis needs to work a little bit better on. But w- when it pertains to Robles, and that being kind of his coming out party Remember in May He had a very nice April Then in May If I were to tell you that Robles gave up only six hits Only six hits all of May You would think that was pretty damn good, wouldn't you? yeah <laughs> five of them were home runs, right, so five of them were home runs, so that tells you that the kid has tremendous stuff. he just lacked that little bit of concentration to finish his pitches. he wasn't giving up multiple hits, but he was giving up the big hit, and that was where they lost confidence in him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you saw him get a nice streak for about a month and a half there of, of being very dominant, so I just think it, it's it's growing pains it's growing pains he's getting better at it he's he's learning. Uh, at the major league level, independent race, all these things that you're seeing that normally guys get, you know, years to learn. He was just in Coney Island, you know, a few years ago as a starter. So just making the adjustment to the bullpen and being ready, he's done a a nice job. And I I see him continuing to build off that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that point, uh, going back to Smoker too a little bit, you know, the – one thing that throws off his numbers in a big way from 2016 is the home run total. And, you know, you just hope that that's a similar sort of thing where it's a short span of time. He gave up these home runs, but when he gets more of a chance that, you know, that home run issue, isn't going to be as drastic as it was. So, you know, that, <clears throat> that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. It, regardless of what they do in terms of moves, all of these guys are going to get chances and in innings in the, in the big leagues this year. Um, yep. And then you you referenced, uh, you know, working with Dan Worth, and now he's he's the longtime Mets pitching coach. He was there in the seasons that you spent with the team. Um, you know, there's been a lot written about him over the last couple of years with the combination of the, you know, the sort of immediate success of Jacob DeGrom, Robert Gazelman, Seth Lugo, uh, and then the improvement with, you know, that – guys have seen at the major league level whether it's been harvey Syndergaard, mats uh you know it's been a while since wheeler pitched but he you know worked under him as well so from the pitcher's perspective you know what's it like working with dan worth and and you know what are the strengths that you saw in your time as a player and and also that you might be hearing from the you know the current players who are with him now
2: well dan is a, a guy who who puts up a tremendous game plan, and and he's focused on each and every one of these guys. Like when you're working on your bullpen and you're working on your side session, you already have kind of forgot about the negatives of last game. You, You know, he might mention the positives as you're getting loose and you're warming up, and he says, you know, where can we go from here? What do we need to do? Our next opponent is, say, the Nationals all right, have you faced this guy? Have you faced that guy? So you're already preparing mentally. And as you're working on your, on your command and you're trying to hit your spots and you're doing things, he might challenge you to say, okay, you got men on second and third right here. Bryce Harper's up. Let's see how you pitch him. And so you're working on that before it even happens because if it happens in a game, it's not the first time that you've practiced this. It's like kind of when you're you know being a Broadway performer and you you are out there doing you know you, you're going through your practice runs. You, you're able to to go out there and rehearse. So you're rehearsing this uh, and 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 you want to kind of have that uh, mental preparation. You don't have to go full bore, but you already know exactly before it happens what to expect and dan does a great job of that prepping uh, preparing the guys ricky bones same thing he he really has a a, does a great job because he has that knowledge of being a bullpen guy that would come in and and know exactly the situation, know who you want to face, know who the guy is on the on-deck circle that you might want to face instead of the guy that you're going in against. So there's always those little things, those nuances that these guys are teaching them. It's not just about making it to the major leagues. It's not just about being in the major leagues. It's about staying in the major leagues and winning, and it's a different atmosphere more so than ever right now for the Mets for the next five years with this young core of talented starters. Those guys in the bullpen – and uh everybody that's come under dan's tutelage you know you always hear him rave about the dan more than slider and it's just he might challenge you to change your grip on a on a pitch or challenge you to make your pitch move in a different way and and, you know and really just put you in a a situation for success i think that's what he really tries to focus on um i know for myself I, i had a I would be able to get to two strikes pretty quickly. I threw five different pitches, so I would be able to get ahead, but I wasn't putting people away. And Dan said, it's not because of your stuff. It's because you're so used to being a strike thrower. You don't have to throw strikes at the major league level to get outs. He's like, you have to make it look like it's a strike. And when it's a ball, that's what they swing and miss at, and you'll get your strikeouts. We've worked on it. We went through a dozen baseballs in the bullpen session. I went out there my next two outings, and I put up, you know, 18 strikeouts. I think it was in, like, 13 innings, and I wasn't a strikeout guy, but he always said, you throw five pitches for strikes. You can command both sides of the plate. Let's use it to your advantage and make people aware that you can use any pitch at any time, and that, to me, had spoke volumes, and you always hear these guys always talking about how Dan challenges them to not be complacent with what they have to always try and make it even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that all, that all makes uh, a lot of sense. And, you know, at, as a former major league pitcher, you know, it, it is there, and I think I've seen that you've or, or heard on SNY, you say something to this effect, but you know, there's the competition among these guys who are all in the rotation together. Uh, but you know, how much do pitchers rely on other pitchers as sort of, you know, maybe an extra, you know, a guy to bounce an idea off of, or just get a little extra input. Not that you're not primarily geared into what your coaching staff is saying, but, uh, you know, if you're on, let's say you're in the same rotation as, as Johan Santana, uh, as you were for a time with the Mets, you know, how much of that exchange helps these guys at this point?
2: Oh, that's huge. I mean, you, you realize, like, when you look around and you you see what does he, what is he able to do that's better than what I can do. With Johan, when I went up to him, the first thing I asked him was, how do you hold your change up? <laughs> now our hands are different. Our hands are different sizes, you know, his his grip was different than I ever threw my grip, but I would ask him about the really the release of the pitch. What are you thinking with the release? And he would say how he would squeeze it as hard as he could. Meanwhile, you know, you always hear people say, Well, hold it like an egg. Hold it like an egg. Right. I had long fingers and I would hold it like an egg so that it would come off my fingertips softer than my fastball. And he's like, No, 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 that's not what you want to do. You want to choke it and so when you the arm speed is what you're selling. You're selling arm speed so the arm is moving at 95 the ball because you've choked it so much is coming out at 76 and that's what the hitter is going to get is that ball at 76 but the arm that they see is is 95 i said well that makes absolute sense now it works for him it didn't work for me (laughs) because my fingers were so long that it felt like i was throwing the ball straight into the ground so it was something that i would have to adapt but the the concept itself about not slowing down my arm it worked out for me because then I was able to make my changeup even better because then my changeup was able to move a little bit more. So I added movement to my changeup by that, that, just, that idea of arm speed and, and, and using that same arm speed that you would on your fastball. Now all these guys that you see now – See, they've all come up together, so they have that familiarity with each other, and they know that they're going to be in the big leagues for the next five years all together, and you want to kind of challenge each other and see who's going to have a better outing. We're all facing, you know, the the Marlins this week. Let's see who has the best outing here. You know, it's no longer about who throws the hardest. It's who puts up the best numbers who you know goes out there and dominates a team for the longest amount of time that's what you have to take pride in so you't when I was first coming up you all you would hear a guy say, oh, yeah, but at least I hit ninety eight on the gun and I was <laughs> like well, that's not the, the the best part about it you know you're already you're already signed you're not going to get signed again because you throw hard you're going to get released because you throw hard and you can't get anybody out so it's a big difference once you get into the, the pro ranks and you're at the major league level of you know what? I want to show execution. I can execute my pitches. I can execute the game plan. Remember how we talked about before the game? And you sit there all together in these pitchers' meetings. And I would always kind of do the opposite, because my stuff was different than, say, other right handers So if, if the, the idea for Pedro was to, hey, uh, against this right-handed hitter, I like to go slider first pitch, and then i go fastball away, and then I would kind of go with my change-up down and in, because change-up for Pedro was just filth. Uh, I I would say, well, my changeup's not my best pitch to get an out with, but I understand that he wants to slow the the hitter up on that third pitch rather than speed him up with a fastball. When he faced me, he would be looking for something a little bit slower, so I would use my fastball, but I would elevate it, and so it would make that matchup a little bit different, especially if you're the third pitcher in a row. You know, third third, righty in a row facing these guys in the same series, they're kind of hip to okay, they're going to give me a fastball away, then they're going to give me a breaking pitch, and then something off speed, so you, you can't pitch to that same pattern, but you know what the guy did before you to make yourself even better, because he got the outs. Dan Warden didn't get the outs. Ricky Bones didn't get the outs. You know, Terry Collins doesn't get the outs. You're out there getting the outs, and the guy that did it before you, you might say, hey, I've never gotten this guy out before. You know, what do you think works against him well? And you start finding out from each other because you're always helping each other to try and win. There's no more competition about, I want to do better than you and, and, and stay in the big leagues. No, you know at this point right now, that the more games you guys can win, the closer chance you have to winning a ring.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is – uh. It, I could chat pitching forever <laughs> Um but that that's all fascinating stuff and uh I think everybody'll appreciate the detail but uh but we'll we'll switch gears now away from that and uh in a couple weeks uh in, at the time the podcast goes up uh, about a week and a half on uh January 16th you're hosting your annual annual uh, charity bowling event at Lucky Strike in Midtown Manhattan. So, can you tell us a little bit about the charity, you know, how you got involved with it, what the event is like and uh, you know, you know where people can go to get tickets and get into it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh I since 2009 I met a family, uh the Finkelsteins over in at, at the new City Field and went over and their daughter has muscular dystrophy, and she handed me a bracelet that she had made, and she had made one for me and one for David Wright and asked if I could give it to David Wright. Now, everybody wants to give something to David Wright, of course, and so (laughs) I was very honored that she even included me in it, and um, I immediately fell in love with her and started hearing a little bit about her story. Now, fast forward, all these years go by and last year her brother contacted me on facebook and told me how she was doing so well and she even ran in a marathon she did a thousand steps in a marathon under her own power with a special chair and i thought that was such a courageous thing and i reconnected with her and her family and her mother Lori, and started hearing about what's called high lifeline and team lifeline and what they do is they help out with kids that have terminal illnesses and disabilities and they, um, they give them a special opportunity to go to a summer camp called Camp Simcha. And it's a great opportunity for these kids to experience, you know, all the joys in life, things they couldn't ever do on a normal day. They do zip lining where they're normally confined to a wheelchair and things like that. And so it was just – it just made me smile to hear that even someone like Perry, who right now is uh, almost confined to a wheelchair, she gets out to do her training and her exercise – um, she goes full bore and in, in helping out with this charity and has raised so much money throughout the years. And I said, you know what? I want to have an opportunity to do this with you. So I'm actually walking in the Miami Marathon uh, because I have a hip replacement. I can't run. Um, But I'm going to walk a half marathon here on the 29th of January. And before that, I wanted to do something fun for everybody, something that we can all do. And so I figured bowling was the best opportunity. And uh, the people at Lucky Strike uh, were tremendous with us here in Manhattan. And we're going to have an event. Um, You can go over to Eventbrite. Um, There's a link actually on my Twitter and my Facebook at FIGSNY. Um direct link. It's the first posting. You can sign up. It's forty dollars for the event. That includes all the bowling. That includes um there's gonna be some food. There's also gonna be uh a A door raffle with probably about 10 to 15 prizes at least some great autographed items um, from all different walks of life sports we've got actors showing up we've got the guest list is being compiled still of of celebrities that are going to show up Um, a lot of my uh, co-workers here at sny uh, are going to be there so it's going to be a great time a chance for people to come out and support a great cause Um, then we're going to also have an online auction that's starting up, and uh, it's it actually will be up by the time this podcast airs. It's uh, with Charity Buzz auctions, and when I tell you that people were so tremendous, we went out and wrote to um, just different companies, different teams, and we got back over 86 items in a matter of a week. They uh, the the just the support has been unbelievable, and I mean when I tell you that there's just a random assortment of things. I mean you've got the you know, the customary things like a chance to meet David Wright, uh, be on the field for batting practice, take pictures, get a signed ball from David Wright. Um, there is a uh, chance of for four tickets for a Knicks game. Uh, Hooters actually is donating for happy hour, a $300 gift card as well in the package. There's a signed Carmelo Anthony jersey included in the package. I get to go in the package as well because I said I can't miss out on this. <laughs> so I get to go as well. Um, you have an opportunity to talk shop with Seth Gold from Hardcore Pond in a 30-minute Skype session. Um, you can meet uh, some of the Disney st- uh, stars like Adam Irigoin. Um, uh, there is, let me see, we have some There's uh, coffee with Bruce Beck. You can uh, bid on a chance to meet Bruce Beck and have coffee with him in the city. Uh, legendary basketball reporter Peter Vesey. Uh, also, you have a chance to have lunch with him. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of things that we have gotten. Of course, there's tremendous Met items. Uh, Jose Reyes, as well, is is doing the same kind of deal where he's going to be able to uh, meet a fan during batting practice. They get to watch batting practice before the game and watch the game afterwards. Uh, The Marvel um, was tremendous. They gave us two tickets um, for uh, the screening of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and a, a nice autographed package of different items. Uh, The Giants donated two tickets to the 2017 home game and a Jason Pierre-Paul autographed jersey. So there's so many different things. And when I tell you, um, you know, you have a chance to meet people, do things, experiences that you otherwise would not be able to do, we've kind of put together a a multitude of packages that way. So that's uh, charitybuzz.com, and they'll be listed under Nelson Figueroa um event and uh just uh, an opportunity to go ahead and bid and we're trying to again raise money to help these kids out and and let them have the experience of a lifetime
0: yeah hey that that all that all sounds great i know i i can't speak for all of our listeners but i think the gardens of the galaxy uh and jpp items (laughs) certainly obviously the mets ones but those things might might stand out to uh to people so uh, best of luck with that. And, you know, it sounds like the event here is is going to be a good time. Uh, you know, objectively speaking, you know, that price at lucky strike, you, you know, for the location, uh, that's a pretty good yeah. deal.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. That 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 was it that was it in a nutshell. I said, you know, we, we wanna definitely make sure that it, it's uh, accessible for for fans. I mean, everybody knows it's New York the the price to pay just to go regular bowling. You have a chance to bowl with some celebrities, you have a chance to bowl with some just great baseball people, and a chance to support a tremendous cause.
0: All right. Well uh we look forward to seeing you there and watching you on SNY as this season progresses and hopefully it's a nice uh long season that ends in a match championship but again nelson thanks for coming on and uh we'll talk to you again soon
2: thank you chris i appreciate it